want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get more great investing content. If you're listening on YouTube, also hit the like button on this video and any other platform, your five-star rating and review are a great way to support the show. Thank you for your support. So today I have a topic that I have been thinking about a lot recently. And today's topic is how to become a self-made millionaire. I've been thinking about this a lot as one of my goals is to become a self-made millionaire. One of my goals is to get rich through the investing that I do. And I want to become fabulously wealthy over time. And that's one of the drivers of the investing work that I do, the my efforts and interest in personal finances and stuff like this podcast, the YouTube videos and various content that I put out there discussing investing, how to build wealth. But I don't think I've covered this specific topic itself. So what prompted this? Well, I was rereading an article written by Joshua Kinnan that's talking about who is the future self-made American millionaire. He published this in 2019, I believe, and it's not the first time that I've read this article. Yeah, March 2019, but I've read it multiple times, and every time I read this article, I get a lot out of it. And what I was thinking about today with this article was that this idea of being self-made, it's so interesting and it's such a hot topic in our culture today in the United States. Um, it, it might be in, in many other nations, but certainly within the United States, we have this idea that it's hard to be a self-made millionaire because there's so many different shoulders of giants that people have stood upon. There's so many different influences and ways in which those who are successful have had many advantages in their life, many ways in which they have been able to succeed that might not have been starting from pure scratch. So I was thinking about it and I was trying to frame it in my mind and I've seen interviews of these successful billionaires, I've seen interviews of these entrepreneurs and millionaires on TV and they would be asked stuff like, you know, are you self-made? Or they would say, you know, I, I, I was a self-made millionaire. And then they would get pushback. And the pushback would be, I was like, well, were you really self-made? What were your advantages? Um, and I think this question misses the point. I think when you're asking someone, are you really self-made? What were your advantages? Why was it that your success should be discounted. And I think that idea, that kernel of, it's not, it's not envy, but that kernel of denial of someone else's success is dangerous. And so that's part of what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about 
are we asking the right questions? I want to talk about how you can become a self-made millionaire. And I want to talk to you about how you can become a millionaire even if you're not self-made. And so I want to touch on this idea. I want to really dive in to the drivers of success. I want to dive into these key traits that make millionaires successful and hopefully motivate you that you can succeed. I want to this this is going to be an episode little philosophical, a little personal finance, a little bit motivational speaking to inspire you that you can succeed no matter your circumstances, you can succeed. You can become a millionaire if you want to become a millionaire. And no matter how many advantages or disadvantages you have, if you're listening to this in the United States today, you can become a millionaire. If you're listening to this and you're outside of the United States, you too can also become a millionaire. There are many advantages that you have simply by your ability to listen to my podcast. So let's flip the script. Let's invert this idea. Instead of focusing on how much money a millionaire inherited or how many advantages millionaires might have had, let's talk about how you can become a future self-made millionaire, how you can become a millionaire regardless of your starting point. What are the key traits? What do you need to do? Because I think what people should be asking is regardless of where someone started in life, what were the driving decisions that led to their success? So that's what we're going to talk about today. What I've been thinking through in my head is I've been thinking through how I would answer someone if I was asked how I became a millionaire, if I was interviewed in the future. Like if I was sitting in the future 10, 20, 30 years from now on TV, on a podcast, and someone asked me, you know, well, were you really a self-made man? I'd be like, no, let's focus on how I became successful. And so this is like a pre-mortem. So I just, my previous podcast episode was a post-mortem on NACO stock. Well, today is a pre-mortem on what leads to my future success. So what are the traits that I think are important for success? What are the things that you can say in advance are going to drive your success? Because what you want to do is there needs to be a system for financial success that you follow each and every day, each and every week, each and every year? What are the actions you take today that lead to your future financial success? What are the actions you take today that improve your investing performance? What are the actions you take today to make your life better in the future? Because what the question implies, what the conversation implies, and our culture implies around this idea of, well, how did you really become a self-made millionaire? Did you inherit money? Did you take someone else's money? Where did this come from? Where did your success really come from? Well, the best way to know that is to map it out in advance. What are the key decisions what are the key actions? What are the key traits? What are the key habits that lead to financial success? 
And, and a lot of times I feel like people think this is a secret and it's not a secret. Maybe you're not aware of it. Maybe this will be a really great learning today. Um, maybe you are, and it's just good motivation and reinforcement. But what I'm going to talk to you about today is, is the habits and the key focuses that lead to financial success, such that if you follow them, you can be financially successful. You can become a millionaire. And it's not about your starting place. It's about how do you get to your target end place? How do you get to your target there? And what journey do you have to follow to get there? And, I, and, I, and so I think this is helpful. And that's what's been inspired by this article by Joshua Kinnon. He's inspired my thinking in a lot of ways about finances, about investing, my investing style. But it begins with these ideas. There's general lessons. There's general methods of Thomas Stanley's work in Millionaire Next Door, which if you haven't read it, I'll put a link in the show notes for A Millionaire Next Door. It's one of the best books about how to become wealthy in the United States. And I highly recommend you read it. If you use my link in the show notes, then when you buy the book from Amazon, then I receive a a small commission for doing that. It doesn't cost you any more money. It's the same price you'd get if you bought it without using the link. So if you want to support the podcast, consider using the link. So the key lessons are very simple. First and foremost, the number one financial habit that you need to be financially successful is you need to live below your means. That means each and every month, each and every year, you spend less than you make. If you make $1,000 a month, you need to spend less than $1,000 a month. If you make $10,000 a month, you spend less than $10,000 a month. If you make $100,000 a month, you spend less than $100,000 a month. This might seem obvious, but a lot of people do not follow it. The biggest problem preventing you from becoming wealthy is if you are spending more money than you make. Now, you might say, well, if only I made an extra $1,000, then I could save money. If only I made an extra extra $10,000, then I could save money. You might be saying, well, those examples are ridiculous because, well, yeah, why why couldn't anyone save money if they're making $10,000 a month? Well, there's people making $10,000 a month that don't save any money. There's making people $10,000 a month who are running up credit card debt, running up car debt. There's people making $20,000 a month running up car debt, running up credit cards. The amount of money you make is not the key determinant in your ability to get build wealth. What determines your ability to build wealth is the ability to be disciplined and spend less money than you make so that you have a surplus. And that surplus is what you use to invest. I spend most of my time talking on this podcast about investing. I'm talking about how do we spend that surplus to grow and build our net worth for the future. And I think that's really important But the most important thing you can do, the number one lesson is you need to spend less than you make every month for the rest of your life, or at least until you're wealthy. I don't have a problem with spending your money down once you've built up a nice nest egg and you're able to live off your investments. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about when you are building your net worth, you need to be spending less than you make. And ideally, that separation needs to be as large as possible. Not as large as you can do, but it needs to be comfortable. It needs to be you know, enough that you're actually building wealth. 
I think a good target is 20% savings rate. So you take what you earn after taxes and try and spend 80% of that or less. Now, the average person will say, you know, the average financial advisor might be like, well, if you're not saving anything, start by saving 1% and then increase it to 2% next year and 3% the next year. And that can work. But I also think it's helpful to, to set a target that's really going to build wealth for people. And I think there's a few numbers that really make a big difference. And, that, and I think 20% is where you really start to supercharge your wealth creation. It means if you're making $5,000 a month, you save $1,000 a month. That's $12,000 a year. $12,000 a year is going to grow into millions of dollars over time. Just put a three decades on that, you're talking millions of dollars. I'll run a quick calculator here um, to uh, to show what this is. Uh, so we're going to run this simple compound interest calculator. We're going to say you have $0. You're going to add $12,000 a year. That's $1,000 a month, and we're going to grow it for 40 years. So let's say you start aging at the you start saving at the age of 25. You don't save anything before the age of 25 and you only save $1000 a month from the age of 25 to 65. We're going to put a very reasonable 10% annual growth rate on that and you end up with 5.8 million dollars. 10% is what the S&P 500 earned over the last century. You can just stick it in an index fund. You can expect something on that range. Okay, well, maybe that's too high. Well, what if we put it at 8%? I don't think anyone's arguing that 8% is an unreasonable long-term growth rate for the general index fund in the United States. That ends up at $3.3 million. And that's just $1,000 a month. And that making $5,000 a month, you save 20% of it, you save $1,000 a month. $5,000 a month is $60,000 a year. The United States median household income is higher than $60,000 a year today. Median household incomes means half of households make more than that and half of households make less. This is not an unreasonable example. Can you save $1,000 a month? Can you save 20%? So $1,000 a month isn't even 20% for people making more than that. If you're making six figures, that's a lot less money. So you can become a millionaire. And I'm not even talking about higher growth rates. What I talk about on my podcast is I'll try to find ways to improve that estimate. I mean, if you're talking 12, 15% annual returns, then this becomes mind-boggling numbers. I'll just throw 15% into the calculator for just kicks and giggles here. $24.5 million if you just save $1,000 a month and you can hit 15% a year. Now, I don't think that's a good target. I think 15% a year would be an amazing return over a 40-year period. I mean, you're talking top-level returns. But that's the stuff I try and focus on with my podcast. That's what I'm trying to learn how to do myself. But the most important part is hit that savings rate. So 20% is a good target that I think is something that everyone can aspire to. If you're a really high-end saver, if you're really trying to get there fast to financial independence and wealth, then I think 50% is a good high-end target. Especially for couples, 
if you have two earning couples, if you can save half of your income, so you save one spouse's income and then the other spouse's income is what you live on so that you have like a 50% savings rate, then you're really going to really strive and hit a high ability to become wealthy. So if you do that, if you do that one thing and just target like a 20% savings rate, you'll become a millionaire. If you can save 20% your whole career, you're going to become a millionaire in the United States. That's all you have to do. It's one thing. And and you don't have to start saving $1,000 a month. I just threw that number out there. You can start much lower than that. You can start as minimum wage. As your money rises, you just continue to save more because you start making more money over time. So that's just an idea of that key trait because that's the most important trait. The most important trait is that you live below your means. The second piece, though, of that is you need to invest that surplus wisely. So that's the main focus of our podcast is investing wisely, really trying to find a way to invest wisely, really trying to find a way to put that money to work in good stock investments. That's what I spend my time on here. If you're new to the podcast, that's what we talk about all day. So one of the key features here that you should understand is that you can break all of wealth building into five key areas, okay? If you want to build wealth, you need to do five things. These are your five principles to become a self-made millionaire. If you have no family wealth, if you come from a family that is not historically wealthy, if you come from a middle-class family, if you come from a poor family, these are the five tenets that help you become a self-made millionaire. Now, the most important one is encapsulated with what I just said. But we can break it down into categories because while what I said, living below your means is important, the ingredients to that can change for many people and many people approach it different ways. But there's five things you need to know. Number one, increase your income. If you're on minimum wage, it's very hard to save money. If you're on minimum wage, you're not going to be able to save $1,000 a month. You don't need to save $1,000 a month. You can get to become a well, you can become a millionaire saving substantially less. You can save $500 a month to become a millionaire. You can save it, become a millionaire starting at $100 a month. It doesn't, the specific number is not important. The key thing is number one, you're trying to increase your income over time. Number two, you're trying to decrease or maintain low expenses. Number three, you're trying to invest the surplus that you get wisely. Number four, you need to be intelligent with your risk management. And number five, time. It takes time. The longer you invest, the easier it is to become wealthy. If you start in your 20s, it's easier than if you start in your 30s. If you start in your 30s, it's easier than if you start in your 40s. If you start in your 50s, it's easier than if you start in your 60s. The reason my example works so well is I said you're starting to save at 25 and you save till 65. But you can also start earlier than that. You can start at 18. You can start at 21. You can start at 14. All of your savings compound. All of your good decisions compound. So you need to focus on increasing your income and keeping your expenses low. Income means if you start at minimum wage today, don't stay there. You need to work on getting more skills. You need to get work on moving to a better area. You need to do stuff that gets you to a better income. 
If you're outside the United States, that can apply in most countries, but not all countries. Um, if you're able to have a good market economy where people are valued on providing additional skill and additional productivity, then it can be done there. Or some for some people, depending upon where you are listening to this from, you might need to move to a country that has better opportunity. Move to a country like the United States. Move to a country with growing economies. There's plenty of them. It doesn't have to be the United States. But find a place that offers you the opportunity to grow your wealth. Keeping expenses low is very important. One of the best recommendations that I received and I had heard about when I was leaving college was to continue living like a college student for as long as possible because college students in general live relatively cheap. You don't have much money. You're leaving. You're trying to live. You live with roommates. You live in a cheap apartment. You live sometimes sharing a bedroom. You sometimes share um, multiple people, you know, multiple people sharing the bedroom, not just two people, but maybe more. There's various things you can do to keep your costs low. And if you keep your costs low right out of college, that is your easiest time to start building wealth. When you're 21, 22, 23, you don't have kids, you don't have family, you don't have a mortgage, you're mobile, you're willing to, if you're willing to take lower expenses during that time, that's the easiest time to start building wealth. So I took that to heart for me and I try to keep my expenses low and it allows me to keep a high savings rate. And then as your income grows, you continue to keep your expenses as low as possible. Now, it's common that over time, as your income grows, your expenses are going to grow. You just need to make sure your income is growing faster than your expenses so that you're saving more and more money over time. So that gives you the surplus. The surplus gives you the money that you need to invest to grow that wealth. And that's what we're doing. And again, as I said, this podcast, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about how to become the best investor today because I spend so much time doing it otherwise. But you want to do things like buying companies that can compound your investments over the long term. Compound interest is amazing. It is astounding that you can have a company that you buy $1,000 in stock and wait 30 years and it's worth $100,000. The idea of turning $1,000 into 100000 or $10,000 into a million is what makes millionaires. In my example earlier, I said you save $1,000 a month and you earn a certain return, you can become $5 million in 40 years. Well, if you're earning a high rate of return, you know, instead of saving $12,000 in that first year, maybe you save 10000 And if you can somehow find a stock that is a hundred bagger, one of the things I like to talk about on this show, which means maybe it grows a hundred X in 30 years, then that first year of investing, just year one, can turn $10,000 into a million, make you a millionaire. And you only invested one year and let the money sit because you're capturing time. And that's that big key trade at the end. And so the the other one here is that 
you know, so you're focusing on stocks that are going to compound over time. You focus on keeping your investment expenses low, not paying a lot of mutual fund fees, not paying a lot of expensive fees and trying to invest in low cost investments, either an index fund, either buying stocks directly like I like to do or choosing ways to keep your investment expenses low. You also want to keep your taxes low. Use tax advantaged accounts when possible. Um, fund your 401ks, fund your IRAs, fund various ways to funnel money into safe investment accounts that aren't attacked by the government, where the government's taking your money all the time each time you buy or sell a stock. And to that point, don't buy and sell stocks frequently. The more turnover you have, the more times you create for the government to take your money. So you're reducing ways where money flows out the door. You're increasing ways for money to flow in the door, and you're trying to find ways for your money to grow. This is how you become a self-made millionaire. Fourth key point is you got to manage your risks. Don't take a lot of risk. Have insurance for the risk that matters. If you have a car, have car insurance. Don't make the mistake of not having your required car insurance. Have liability insurance. If you have a house, buy house insurance. If you're working, it's good to have disability insurance. If you have a family and, and dependents that you support, then you should have life insurance. You should reduce the risks and the ways in which all of your planning doesn't matter because something horrific happens. Have medical insurance to cover medical problems. So cover your basis and reduce your tail risk from emergencies. But time. Get started early. When we think about the self-made millionaires of the future and of the recent past, when you read The Millionaire Next Door, what becomes clear is that it took time for the investors to become millionaires. Joshua Kennan talks about in his podcast how, or not in his podcast, in his blog, which I'm linking to, that the average millionaire was 57 in Thomas Stanley's book. Not 27, but 57. It took some time to become millionaires. It takes time for the savings to work, for the surplus to build and become a millionaire over time. You can do it, but it takes time. Don't try to get wealthy fast. Be willing to get wealthy slow. That's a key trait to think about. There's also some other key traits that are important to go along with that. And they all kind of flow in this together. I, I like what he touches on here. You know, so don't make your financial decisions in a way that signals your success. Don't try and invoke envy in others. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Don't buy big, flashy things, nice, fancy cars to signal wealth before you have it. It's better to have wealth than show off wealth. Focus on cost per use. So instead of buying things that are cheap and throwaway, try and buy quality items that last a long time. One of my favorite kitchenware items that we have is our Dutch oven. We have a Cuisinart. Cuisinart, I think, is the the name of the Dutch oven. No, that's going to be the wrong name, isn't it? Yeah, it's not Cuisinart. It's Le Creusoy. Um It's a nice, fancy Dutch oven. And it's a few, I think it's expensive. It's like a couple hundred dollars that we got as a, a gift 
um, or an anniversary present or something like that, um, wedding present. I can't remember what exactly it was, but it, it lasts for a lifetime. These are the things that can last for 20, 30, 40 years and you can hand down to your kids. And if they're really nice kitchenwares, and if you think about it, on a cost per use basis, it's cheap. You might have a $300 kitchen item, but imagine using it 3,000 times over the course of the decades. And now it's only cost 10 cents per use. Versus if you get a cheap item that you use 10 times and throw away, and it was $30, but now it's $3 per use instead of 10 cents per use. So think long-term. Think about on a per-use basis instead of thinking on just the dollar amount you see up front. Avoid using debt. Don't use debt on consumer purchases. Don't go into debt for, for credit cards. Don't, don't go into debt for auto loans. If you're going to go into debt, only use it on fixed, long-range terms like a mortgage for a house. 15-year fixed loans, 30-year fixed loans. Graduate from college with a four-year degree. Now, this isn't the only way to do it, but there's going to be a lot of millionaires that are graduated from college, have a four-year degree. To the extent possible, get married and stay married to the same person and only have children after you're wed. These are not secrets to success. There are countless studies published about this everywhere. This is not my opinion. This is not something I determined or made up. This is something that's been studied in many areas that one of the easiest ways to avoid poverty and to build wealth is to get married. There's economies of scale. And if you're going to have kids, have them after you're married to bring the benefits of its of economies from scale. That's not just two income earners. It could be an income earner and a stay-at-home spouse. It could be two income earners for a while and then a stay-at-home spouse. It could be two income earners where one loses their job and the other one is there to help prevent the family from going into debt. It's two people for if one of the kids gets sick, one can take care of the kid and the other one can keep working. There's all sorts of benefits of this in order to build wealth. These are the things that were studied in this book that have been studied again, and I think will continue to be part of success in the future. So buying less house than you can afford, if you're going to buy a house, don't buy an expensive house, buy the house that's relatively cheap. When I was buying my first house, the rule I tried to stay under was to not buy a house more than twice my annual income my family's household income. And so that means if you make $50,000 a year, you'd try and buy a house for 100,000 or less. If you make $100,000 a year, you try and buy a house for 200,000 or less. If you make $200,000 a year, try and buy a house for 400,000 or less. Of all the things I'm talking about, I think this one's going to be the most controversial because a lot of the times the house prices don't match that these days. And I think there's a good argument that you don't necessarily need to follow that one, but that's the one I tried to follow because I'm trying to build wealth. So it means I bought a house that was substantially cheaper than the banks that I could afford. I bought a house that was a relatively low percentage of my 
monthly income, and it allowed me to continue to save money, build wealth, and invest it. These are the types of things that I think would lead to future success for me. Again, I'm trying to project both from what I have from this book that I really loved reading, The Millionaire Next Door, um, what I'm taking from this article written by Joshua Kennan, uh, my key traits for success I've taken from Joshua Sheets on his podcast, Radical Personal Finance, which I highly recommend. These are not secrets. They're well publicized. But there are patterns to success. There's patterns to wealth building that lead to millionaires. If you want to be a millionaire, you can do this. You can follow the formula for success and given enough time, you can become a millionaire. None of the things I've outlined so far are only for the rich. You don't have to be born to a millionaire to buy less house than you can afford. You don't have to be born to a millionaire to avoid making financial decisions that can create envy in others. You don't have to be born to a millionaire to focus on cost per use. You don't have to be born to a millionaire to try and as much as possible avoid consumer debt. You don't have to be born to a millionaire to only have kids after you're married, if you want kids, and get married if you want to be married to lead to financial success. You don't have to be born to a millionaire to graduate from university with a four-year degree. Now, it can certainly help to have your family have money because you might not have to go into debt for college. But college is available for those who aren't rich as well. And there's often substantial scholarships available for those who don't have the financial means. And again, you don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to go to college to become a millionaire, and, and many millionaires don't. Um, and in fact, I think there's a great path, especially with many blue-collar jobs that pay quite well six-figure incomes, um, being an electrician, plumber, etc., uh, that I did not appreciate before going to college myself and only appreciated afterwards, especially once you own a house and everything begins breaking down. So there's many other traits that I think that follow and match with successful millionaires. Millionaires are more likely than the average American to exercise regularly, not overeat, not smoke, not drink too much alcohol, not do drugs, and not gamble. That doesn't mean that doing those things prevents you from being a millionaire on its own, although they can if you do it to excess. But it means that it's one more decision, one more checkbox that makes it more likely that you would become a millionaire. If you live a life of reasonable temperance, you're increasing your odds of becoming financially successful. Exercising regularly is good because it's a low-cost activity, keeps you healthy, and it gives you more time. Again, time is critically important. Half of Warren Buffett's wealth has been built in the last 10 years. He's in his 90s. If you don't overeat, it has multiple benefits. Again, it reduces the likelihood of health complications. So it reduces your expenses, and it reduces your expenses so that you don't have to spend on food. If you don't smoke, it reduces your expenses. You don't have to spend on food, and it reduces your health expenses. 
you don't drink alcohol or you don't drink alcohol to excess, it reduces your expenses and reduces your health expenses. If you don't do drugs, it reduces your expenses. It reduces the likelihood of premature death. It reduces the likelihood of spending time on an area that's not leading to future financial success. If you don't gamble, it reduces your expenses and it reduces your investment losses. I'm calling it investment losses because I think a lot of times people treat gambling as just not much different than investing in stocks and that's wrong, but it's a way of losing money unnecessarily. Another key trait of millionaires is that they don't waste a lot of time watching television. The average American family spends four to six hours, I think this is where the stat is, watching television per day. Four to six hours per day. Now, that's a weird number because if you think about it, um, that generally encompasses almost the entire period of time that people are home from work, perhaps. Um, So it does imply that they're doing other things at that time, eating food, preparing food, watching children, doing other things. So it's not necessarily that they aren't doing other stuff as well, but the average millionaire is much less likely to watch television than the average non-millionaire. Instead, they provoke, spend their time focusing on self-improvement, reading, business, investing, and family. You can focus on developing inexpensive hobbies rather than expensive hobbies. So you're more likely to be a millionaire if your hobby is running or rock climbing than if your hobby is golf, which is very expensive. There's other examples. Um, or if, let's say your hobby is buying expensive cars. What I'm trying to focus on here, over the last five minutes, I've given a litany of various examples. None of these things are required. You can become a millionaire if you smoke. You can become a millionaire if you drink alcohol. You can become a millionaire if you don't exercise. You can become a millionaire if you don't go to college. You can become a millionaire if you use debt for consumer purchases at some point in your life. You can become a millionaire if you have kids before you get married. You can become a millionaire if you never get married. These are not requirements. They are small advantages that make it more likely that you become a success. So why did I choose to spend some time on this? Why? Well, I wanted to recite a litany of things because one of the key focuses I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, the beginning of this show, was that the focus in our culture is around the advantages that people have that led them to success. And the ones we want to focus on is how much money our parents have, how much money did you inherit? How much money did people give you? How much money was spent paying for your college? But that's not the sole advantage that you can give yourself or you can give your kids. And I would argue it's not necessarily the most important advantage. Certainly if you inherit a million dollars, then you became a millionaire when you inherited a million dollars. But if you inherit $10,000, that's not your sole determinant of your financial success. 
If you inherit $100,000 even, that's not your sole determination of financial success. Now, it can be. It can be the starting point. It can be the seed. But what do you think most people do if they inherit $10,000? Do they go out, put it in a stock, wait 30 years for it to become a hundred bagger and turn that $10,000 into a million dollars? Or do they go out and buy a new truck? Same with the $100,000. Do they go out and buy a new truck and a new boat? Or do they invest it? Or do they use that money to invest in themselves and go get an education and a higher paying job? Those are absolutely advantages to be gifted that money. But there's lots of advantages that are not based upon your starting point in life, but based upon your decisions. And again, today's podcast, today's question is how to become a self-made millionaire. What I'm trying to do is give you the traits you can choose to adopt that are not based upon what your parents gave you, but are based upon what you choose to do. You can choose, you can choose to adopt the traits, the traits that I'm talking about. You can choose to save money. You can choose to invest money. You can choose to give a lot of time for that to play out. You can choose to focus on increasing your income. You can choose on decreasing your expenses. You can choose to live a life of temperance. The formula for wealth is very simple. I've already laid it out. Increase your income, keep your expenses low, or decrease them. Save the surplus and invest it wisely so that it grows over time. Let time do the work, the longer the better, and avoid falling into massive tail risks by properly insuring against those risks. That's the formula. That's the secret. It's not a secret. It's been well known for a long time, but there's traits you can give yourself that are advantages on top of that. All those advantages play into the formula in different places, but you can choose to do those things. The likelihood that you're going to end up wealthy if you exercise every week on a regular basis is much higher. You can choose to get an education. You can choose to work hard to get an education. You can choose to select a career that has high earnings potential. You can choose all these lifestyle factors. You can eliminate time wasters and include self-improvement activities like reading. I would attribute a lot of my success to reading. I like to read. I have learned a lot through reading. I've taught myself investing almost exclusively through reading, whether that's reading books, reading articles, or reading 10Ks. I've taught myself investing, self-taught, by reading. It is important to focus on what you can do, not what is outside of your control. And that's the key here. Everything you need to do to become wealthy, to become a millionaire, you can do it. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you came from. Especially if you're one of my U.S. listeners. Now, I have an international audience as well. But especially for those of you listening to me in the United States. 
there is clear data that especially if you start in your 20s in the United States, it might not be your fault for starting poor, but if over a 40-year period you avoid a health scare, it's primarily your decisions that led to you not being wealthy if you wanted to be wealthy. Now, not everyone wants to be wealthy, but you can become a millionaire in the United States. There's sufficient opportunity, there's sufficient income that the median earner can earn without being anything super special. You don't have to be a top 10% earner. You don't have to be a top 20% earner. You don't have to earn six figures. Remember my example was based upon someone earning 5,000 a month across a family. That's two people. That means $2,500 per person per month. Let's see. Let me just do that quick math. Oh, man. Uh, don't do math on the air is the, is the problem here. But so $2,500 for a single person divided by $40 or 40 hours. Is that right? No. I did that wrong. Let me see. I knew I was doing my math wrong. So $2,500 a month is $30,000 a year. And that's $15 an hour. Starting wage at Amazon is $15 an hour. If you take two people earning minimum wage at Amazon, that's $60,000 a year. It's $5,000 a month. If you can save $1,000 a month on that salary, median, below median US income, you can become a millionaire. That's without optimizing. I'm an optimizer. I like to do all these things. I don't just want to exercise regularly. I don't want to, I don't want to just not overeat and just not smoke. I want to do all of them. So I think the results will be better. I want to focus on all the little advantages I can accumulate. And I want to do it over a long period of time. You can be successful. No matter where you are today, you can be more successful tomorrow than you are today. And you just repeat that every single day. What is the one thing you can do today to be more successful tomorrow? What is the one thing you can do to save an extra dollar today that you can invest for your future? And just repeat it every day, every week, every year. Over time, you'll be able to build wealth. So when we reverse this question of how do you become a self-made millionaire, you can start to realize that although there are some advantages, you can't control. You can't control who you were born to, can't control the house you grew up in, can't control how much wealth you had to start. But even if, if you start with nothing, you can make choices that will lead to you being a millionaire and your kids having every advantage. So focus on what you can do to choose to make better decisions. And that that's really the topic of the day. And so I think when you think about this, what is the number one advantage you can gain this year that you don't have right now? What is the number one thing that you can add to your compounding power that you don't have right now? And then do it. 
Don't wait around. Don't make up excuses. Go do it. I want you to be a millionaire. I want you to be successful. I'll be thrilled if you're more successful than me. If you make more money than me. That's totally fine. I produce this free podcast because I want everyone listening to become a massive success. There's room for all of us to become massive successes. And it starts with one little decision to make an improvement. The power of compounding doesn't just work with money. Compounding works with skills. Compounding works with decision-making. Compounding allows small incremental improvements in your life to compound, to take small advantages, which end up as large advantages. The reason these interviews are so mind-blowing to me is they talk to someone after they've built their success. It's almost impossible once you're already successful, once you're already rich, to look at that and not just see advantage after advantage after advantage. The difference is, the problem is, to assume that those advantages always were there. You can accumulate advantages regardless of your starting point. And those advantages get stronger over time. Those advantages compound such that 30 years from now, it will never look the same. I hope this has been a helpful episode for you. It is a little different from my normal podcast. So if you're, this is your first one you're listening to, I encourage you to listen to at least another one about my investing topics to see if that is interesting to you, to see if that's helpful for you. Um, my most recent one that I think is really good for a new listener to think about how I think about investing is my investment thesis on Solatron devices. And that was a recent episode. I think it's like 114. It's Sodi stock stock thesis. Um, but I hope this has been helpful to you. Please give me feedback if this has been an interesting episode for you. Most episodes are not going to be motivational, but I think it is helpful to frame what it means to be a financial success and how to get there. It's not about where you start. It's about the journey. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. 
I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast.